Well, we're going to go to the book of Second Peter tonight. Second Peter, chapter three. <clears throat> Boy, by Sunday night, my voice is just trashed every week. But the water bottles help. I don't know if it's just that I'm getting older or what, but I used to see preachers that always had to have a glass of water. I was like, I don't know why they need water. I don't, I don't need to drink anything when I'm preaching. But maybe it's because I wasn't a pastor then. I wasn't doing it as much. <laughs> so it's it's finally catching up with me. But Second Peter chapter three and verse eighteen. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. This uh, Lord gave me this message earlier this week and I, when I was preparing, trying to think of what to preach. And I thought, boy, this is a great verse to preach on because one thing that we don't ever want to happen around here, one something that can kind of happen in church, at churches sometimes, is you get to a point where you just stop growing. And I'm talking about uh, it's spiritually, uh, we're talking about spiritual maturity, where it just kind of stops. It's like you get to a certain level and you just quit. People get this attitude, well, we've arrived. You get comfortable. You get content. And that's a very dangerous place to be because you get comfortable, then too comfortable, you're not going to be doing what you need to do. <clears throat> and the Lord's going to have to get you uncomfortable. He might have to knock you out of your comfort zone and uh, maybe have to stir the nest a little bit just to get you going. And that's very dangerous. And as a church as a whole, we always need to make sure that we're constantly growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Just like the Bible says. And one thing I think is very important in churches is sometimes I think it's good to have people of all different spiritual levels. I think that's very important. Hopefully, you know, we've got some spiritual people here in this church, spiritually mature people. People that can, I mean, they can handle the preaching of the Word of God. I mean, it, it doesn't matter what is preached as it fits from the Bible, they can handle it. There's some stuff that's in the, in the Word of God that not everybody can handle it. I mean, you have to be careful sometimes. You know, we have to be, like Jesus said, be wise as serpents. And harmless as doves. And you gotta be careful not, not to hurt people. Not to, uh, you know, there's, there's spiritual babies. And we're gonna kinda look at the different levels here in a moment. But I think a church ought to have, a church that's doing what it's supposed to do is gonna have people at all different levels. You're always, you should always, hopefully, uh, have the spiritual babies in the church. That means you're constantly winning people to Christ. And hopefully those spiritual babies, after they get saved, they start growing. Things start changing in their lives. They start becoming more mature. And so if, if you're doing that, if people are constantly being saved on a regular basis, then you're going to have all those different spiritual levels. We've got to make sure that you know, we've got the Sunday night crowd here tonight. So I'm, you know, we're going to just assume that this is the spiritually mature crowd. Here, all right. Not trying to butter you up or anything, but we're just gonna. I'm just gonna talk to you uh, like you are tonight, and I think you can. I think you can handle anything I can throw at you. But we need to make sure that we understand and we don't ever forget where we were at one time, and that we're always patient with the spiritual babies. We've got people in here of all levels. We got that cute little baby there. I just I love watching that little baby. She's so cute and she pays attention. But you know what? Uh, her attention is not going to last real long. Because she's a baby, they don't have long attention spans. I mean, she's got you know they they slobber, they make messes. I mean, they they make noise. 
That is completely normal. But you know, it'd be different if, if it was Brother Lonnie doing doing that. <laughs> We'd be a little worried. And uh, if he was doing some of those same things, we would know that there was something seriously wrong. He had uh, some kind of you know serious problem. And there are sometimes there are adults that are kind of like babies, and it's they have, and it's not anything bad that they've done. Maybe they have some kind of uh, physical or mental disability. But and and in the church, sometimes I think some of some Christians I think have uh, some spiritual uh, maturity or I don't, I don't know how to use it. I'm gonna have to come up with a term for this. This might be a good one, but some kind of spiritual disability. It's like, man, you've been saved. I mean, I've I've known some people. The great thing about being in one church for 23 years, you know, you get to watch, you see people for a long time, and good night. There's some folks. It's like. You know, you've been having these same problems for 20 years. Don't you think maybe you think maybe you're doing something wrong? You think maybe it's time to change something? Are you ever going to get past this part, this point in your life? Are you ever going to move on? And but boy, you got it's. I'm going to have to come up with a name for that and use it. I might be able to write a book on it. And if I come up with a pill for it, I'll make millions of dollars. But uh, anyway, that's not the way that works. But then there's in the Bible it mentions different uh, levels, I guess you could say, of spiritual maturity. And the first one that we uh, that we see is babes in Christ. First Peter chapter two, First Peter chapter two, and verse two says, "As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word." that ye may grow thereby. As newborn babes, it compares people as Christians to babes in Christ. I think that babes in Christ stage is one of the most exciting stages for a Christian. I love, I mean it just it thrills me to death when I see people they get saved and you see them working hard trying to learn, you know, trying to learn more about the Bible, trying to learn more about God. I just talked to somebody last night that got saved not real long ago here in the church. And they were telling me about some books that they were reading that were try, trying to understand some things in the Bible. And man, it just it thrilled me to death. I got excited. I went into Walmart in a really bad mood. I had an experience over at the grocery store. It just kind of made me mad with some people that were there. I'm not even going to go... But I was just like, man, alive. Are there no new lows that people will stoop to? And I'm just, you know, I'm just kind of getting mad at people. And I did. I I, I was. I saw you there, Brother Lonnie, and, so, and uh, well, after that, I saw someone else was talking to them. And it, I just, I was thrilled to death. It got me back in a good mood. And man, it just that I love to see that. I love when people after they, you know, shortly after they get saved, they come and they're telling you about something they learn, or they're asking a question about something in the Bible. That thrills me to death. It shows that hey, these people are hungry for the Word of God. That is. Completely normal. I mean, when Tommy was born, he was born four weeks early, and he didn't he didn't want to eat. He just he wanted to sleep all the time. And let me tell you, those nurses in the hospitals, when, whenever you know, we we were pretty uh, we got used pretty used to that hospital. We were there quite a bit. We had five kids all in the same hospital. And one thing we noticed about people, and we visited a lot of people. My sister had her kids there. The first kid. I mean, they are all over you. I mean, they assume that you know absolutely nothing, and they just they just drive you crazy. 
And boy, I mean, they're just, I mean, constantly looking over our shoulder and act like we didn't know a thing about kids. And it's like, listen, I had four older sisters. My wife, she was the oldest of five kids. You know, my wife, she did babysitting. She knew all that stuff. It's like, we can handle this. These people were, they were just driving us crazy. And Tommy wasn't eating like he was supposed to. According to all the church, he just didn't seem to want to eat. And that was a problem. And man, the bigger problem was just those nurses just driving us crazy and trying to force feed him and all that. And it was, it was frustrating because they're like, hey, he's a newborn baby. Newborn babies, they want to eat. And it was, it was tough getting him to eat. And he finally came around. He finally started eating like he was supposed to. And then, you know, everything was fine. They just drove us crazy. By the time we had the next baby, uh, it was like, you know, Jason, he caught on pretty quick, started eating right away. And, the second we were waiting for the nurses to drive us crazy again, man, they left us alone. They didn't bother us one bit. I think it's something they just do with the first kid. But it was not normal when he wasn't wanting to eat. That's always a problem when a baby's born that doesn't want to eat. And there's a problem when somebody gets saved and they don't want to learn anything about the Bible. There's a problem there. Something, something is seriously wrong. And it, and so it thrills me to death when I see that because I'm thinking, you know what? These people must have, they must have really got it. They must have really been born again, like we talked about this morning, and now they're, they're hungry. And they're wanting to grow. And boy, and then, and it's even more thrilling when they come and they share something with you that they learned. And maybe it's something really simple. Maybe they memorized a verse. And they want to tell you. Maybe they're an adult. I mean, you know, I remember as a kid, I grew up in church, and so you know, you heard all the Bible stories. Uh, you know, I lived in a pastor's home; we were taught a lot. And sometimes, you know, there would be adults excited about something that they had learned. That I was just a kid, and I already knew it. And it, I mean, but at the same time, I'd been saved longer, and I spiritually, I might have been a little more mature. But it's it was still it's thrilling when you see that, even if they are old, if they are older. And they learn something new. It's just like when a little kid comes to you, and they're like, "Hey, Dad, look at this, you know, new thing, this new trick I learned." And they do something real simple. Hey, Dad, you come home from school, Dad. I learned how to spell cat today. And you know what? You know what I do when my kids want to tell me about some new thing that they learned that's you know really not that impressive. I mean, you make a big deal about it. I mean, get excited! Wow, man, you're smart. You're brilliant. You learned all that in one day. Get them excited about it. Build them up. And newborn babies, they want to eat. That is normal. They newborn babies, they're usually people of great faith and great love. Luke chapter ten and verse nineteen says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you. But rather rejoice, because your names are written in heaven. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank Thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that Thou hast hid these things from wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in Thy sight. You know one thing I've seen with newborn babes in Christ many times is they're usually really good prayer warriors. I mean, they're always coming and telling you about how man the Lord answered this prayer, the Lord answered that prayer. I mean, they're just all—they're all excited about the things that God's doing. I mean, they just believe everything that comes from the Word of God. You know, they have to learn not to trust the Word of God. They have to learn not to believe in prayer. And you know where they usually learn it from? 
people have been saved for a long time. I wouldn't even bother praying for that. I don't think the Lord's going to answer that prayer. Man, don't do that to them. Don't go telling them all the stories about all the prayers that you didn't get answered. The reason the Lord didn't answer any of your prayers is because they weren't good ones. You know, the Lord wasn't going to kill your enemies when you asked Him to. He wasn't going to, you know, He wasn't going to give you that new Corvette and make you win the lottery. You know, it, just don't go and get them all deflated. But we ought to always have that same spirit of faith and love that we had when we were babes in Christ. Revelation chapter two, verse four. Jesus is talking to a church here, a good church that was doing everything right. I mean, this church they had. I mean, they were running the buses. They had the soul-winning ministries going on. I mean, they had prayer meetings. They had revival meetings. They did. They did all the stuff that you're supposed to do. They had the right kind of music. They preached from the King James Bible. I'm just kind of modernizing this for you. I don't know exactly what all they did, but they were doing everything right. But Jesus said, "Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love." Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place except thou repent. He said, listen, you're doing everything like you're supposed to, but you're forgetting the first and the greatest commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. They were doing it out of ritual or out of tradition or maybe they were even doing it just out of necessity or out of duty. They, at one time, they were doing all those same things. They probably weren't even doing them as good, but they were doing it out of a, a heart of love for God. Tell you, be careful that you don't I mean that you don't ever offend that newborn babe in Christ when you see them doing something for God just because they love Him, and maybe they do a terrible job. Don't don't get on their case. Don't do that. They're doing it out of a heart of love, and I can promise you that God loves what they're doing. I mean, I've heard some people get up and sing some specials that I don't know if you ought to call them special. <laughs> I mean, it was it was bad. I mean, I had no idea what they were doing. Got up there, didn't know the song. I told you before about a young girl just gotten saved. She was looking in a hymn book. She saw a song and said, "Oh, how I love Jesus." She loved Jesus. She wanted to sing about it. I'm going to go sing this song. She didn't know the tune to that song. And she just got up in church, went a cappella, and just made up her own tune. To, oh, how I love Jesus. I mean, it, as far as music is concerned, it was awful. But I'm telling you right now, I, I believe with all my heart that there was one person that was very impressed with that song. And that was Jesus Christ. Because that song was sung out of a heart of love. My wife, she, she gets going every time we talk about... We went to a meeting one time. Huge conference. Probably 5,000 people there. The Sword of the Lord, National Sword of the Lord Conference. And these two guys got up and sang How Great Thou Art. And man, they were good. I mean, they were good. But they knew it. I mean, it was the most I mean, outrageous... I mean, obvious display of pride and arrogance you have ever seen in your life. I mean, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm impressed with how good they were singing, but I'm almost laughing at just, if I was, if I was gonna put on an act of just some arrogant person doing a performance, I would have done exactly what those guys were doing. And they were good singers. I mean, 
I, I might be that arrogant if I could sing that good. They were good, but it just, I mean, I, I'm like about to crack up. My wife is just, she's just, I do not, I do not like that one bit. I do not, I do not think that she didn't like it at all. Because, I mean, just the arrogance there. And I honestly believe that that young girl that sang her own tune of Oh, I Love Jesus, God was more pleased than them guys belting it out and impressing everybody else in the place except my wife. I was impressed with the singing ability. I absolutely was impressed. But babes in Christ, that love for God, that ought to always be the ultimate motivation. Listen, when you get involved in a church, I mean, there is going to be times when you're doing it probably because you know it's being expected of you. You know people are going to be watching. You know that people are counting on you. But most people, the reason they originally start doing something in the church is because they just, they're just they wanting to serve the Lord. They're doing it because they love God. And that ought to always be the ultimate motivation. And listen, I know, you know, you ought to, you know it's okay to not want to let people down. But boy, we ought to, we need, don't get too focused on people because listen, I promise, it's not going to take long before you start doing something for God and somebody's going to go and just have a negative word to say. They're going to say something that it's going to discourage you. They're going to criticize what you've done. They're going to find fault. They're going to point out all the mistakes that you've made. And it's, if you are doing it for people, you're going to quit. If you're doing it for the Lord, you're going to tell them in a real spiritual way to go jump in a lake. Or do it yourself. And you just need to keep, but you've got to keep that focused. And that's one area, that babe in Christ, there's some areas there where, I mean, I think the Lord kind of wants us to stay there. You know, just like, you know, Allie. You know, Allie, she's a little booger sometimes. Being a little bit of a booger right now. But, you know, I mean, she, she loves her daddy. I mean, I love those hugs and things and kisses she gives me all the time. I like she's excited when I come home. Anytime I go anywhere, she's like, she does not want me to leave. You know, like don't leave, don't. Leave. She never wants me to leave. I had to come uh, to the church last night, and she's like hanging onto my leg and not not wanting me to go. I like that, but you know what? One of these days, she's probably going to grow up a little bit, and I really care. I'm leaving. Okay, bye. Whatever. You know, and hey, and I, well, I'm not saying she needs, you know, I'm not saying that when she's a teenager that I want her hanging onto my leg, not wanting me to leave the house. But you know what? I still hope she loves me just as much. I hope she's not glad to see me go. And even though maybe we express ourselves in a different way as we become more spiritually mature, I think one thing God still wants is just to have that same intense love for Him like we did when we first got saved. The babe in Christ. Also, uh, there are uh, a child, I guess you could say, in Christ. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11, When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. You notice all those things. He said, when I was a child, I did this. Like children do. I did what kids do. Hey, when I was a kid, I mean, can you imagine... If you came walking into the church, I mean, just 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 picture it. I mean, and I am, you know, me and one of the other adults were running around chasing each other. All right, I mean, that'd be like, okay, this is really weird. <laughs> this is strange. Why are they doing that? But yet we see the kids here do it all the time. It's and it's you no, know, it's completely normal because kids they just got all this energy. They like to run around, play goofy games, and. Uh, you know, do weird stuff. 
Kids, they like to tattle all the time for every little thing. And it's just, you know, my kids, every 30 seconds, they want to tattle about something. But can you imagine? I mean, can you imagine as an adult if we're doing those things? Hopefully, there comes a point where you grow out of those things, where you grow up. But a child in Christ is somebody who really, who should be ready for the meat, but maybe refuses what's put before them. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men. This church, they were supposed to be at a point where they should be able to start handling a little more. But he said, I can't speak unto you as spiritual. I have to treat you like a baby. They, if he was to try to give them that strong meat, the meat from the Word of God, they would refuse it. They're not gonna, they wouldn't be able to handle it. You know, kids sometimes, they like to refuse a lot of the things that are put before them. If it was up to kids, uh, you know, my kids growing up, if I had a letter, Jason especially, he would have went on a diet of nothing but candy and soda. He, he'd have been fine with that. And pizza. Uh, probably was the most healthy thing in the world that he would eat. But you know what? My wife, she when she makes meals, she makes vegetables and other healthy things too. Every once in a while we get blessed with something that's really unhealthy. But you know what? She makes a lot of healthy things too because, hey, they need this. You need to start. You need to eat these things. These things are good for you. You need to eat the vegetables. You need to eat. You need to eat that meat. And many people are just they're refusing it. And you know, usually babies, once they start eating that table food, they don't want the milk anymore. That's that's very normal. I mean, it's once once you start giving them some of your food, there's no turning back. They're going to start refusing the baby food. That's completely normal. That's part of growing up. It's part of maturing. And many. Uh, Christians, what's supposed to happen is when you first all you can handle is really the milk, and then as you start hearing more and more, um, you're getting some of the meat, getting a taste for some of those other things. It's you're going to develop a taste for it. You're going to want more of that. Whoa! I, I never noticed that in the Bible. That's interesting. I'd like to learn more about that. Hey, that's hard stuff. Maybe it's you know that's not necessarily what I wanted to hear, but boy, that is. What I need, and there, listen. There's a lot of things that, just foods and things out there that I know that I know I need, even though they're not necessarily my favorite. But I want I want to eat them because I want to be healthy. And as Christians, sometimes there's things that maybe we don't necessarily want from the Word of God, but we know we need it. And if we're maturing as Christians, we're going to say, you know what, I want that. I want to get strong. You know, it's amazing what people will do to get healthy, to lose weight. I mean, people will eat some disgusting things. I remember my, my mother-in-law, she likes this barley green stuff. I, I took a spoonful of barley green. It's supposed to be really healthy. It tasted like somebody took like hay and grass or something and ground it up into powder. And that's what I put in my mouth. I mean, it was just absolutely disgusting. Just absolutely Disgusting. There's been a few other things. My wife, she likes getting into all this healthy stuff, and she's had me try a few things before. I was like, "That's just, that's disgusting." 
I am not, I'm not eating that. That, but some people do it. You know why? Because they know it's good for them. And even though it tastes absolutely disgusting, they take it. And you know what my mother-in-law said about the barley green one time? That she actually likes it now. It's like, what? <laughs> why would you like eating grass? That's what it tastes like. But you develop a taste for it. You get to where you can handle it. After you get used to it. And I think a lot of it, it's not so much that it tastes good. I think what it is, I almost think it's mental. And she knows this is good for me. And so, she enjoys taking it. And that could happen to me, I guess, but I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready for that yet. But spirit, we're talking about spiritual things. There are some things that many people, they don't want to hear about it. They, I mean, they... If the pastor's going to preach on that, they're not going there. I mean, they'll walk out of the service, but then there's other people they are just hungry for it. They want to hear those things. They want that preacher to get up and just rip on them. And they, they know that that's good for them. But a child in Christ, that's somebody who... They, they need to be starting to get into some more of the more difficult things, maybe. I guess you could say the meat of the Word of God. But also, I call these ones a teenager in Christ. A teenager Christ, they should be ready for spiritual maturity, but have no desire to move on for God. They're satisfied where they are and have no desire to change. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and laying on of hands and of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. But beloved, we are persuaded, and then verse 9 says, But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. So, hey, I expect more from you. I don't have any teenagers yet, but I imagine these words will come out of my mouth. One of these is, hey, I expect more from you. I expect you to do better than that. I expect you to not act like a kid anymore. There's some things I expect from you. Hey, I guess I have said something like that. Hey, I expect you to start cleaning your room without being told. I expect you to remember to brush your teeth. Well, we've had that conversation many times, haven't we kids? Shouldn't have to tell you to do that. I'm expecting better things from you. And he says, things that accompany salvation. There are some things that are just... All these things we're talking about are natural. Yet all these things we're talking about many are lacking big time in many churches. And you have to wonder, are these folks really getting saved? Do they really have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of them? Because there's something really missing. But many, uh, a lot of times teenagers, they, they don't want to move on. Hey, you need to, you're graduated from high school. Dad has to tell them, it's time to go get a job. They'd rather stay home, play video games, watch TV. Sleep in all day. I mean, some of these people they get into their twenties. Hey, you need to go to college. You need to go get a job. You need to. They don't want to do it. Their parents will go and pay for them to go to college, and they go and they don't even try. Don't even put any effort. Have no desire at all to do anything spiritually. Just teenagers. You know, teenagers sometimes they need a little. They need a little push. They need a little parental motivation and things to get them going. And my dad, I remember when I turned 16, he's like, you're 16, you need to get a job. Where am I going to get a job at? I don't want to get a job anywhere. 
When I was your age, I worked at McDonald's. I don't want to work at McDonald's. I remember one day, I don't even know how it happened. One day, it's the way I remember it. Sometimes the way you remember things, the way it happens, not completely the same. The way I remember this happening. I don't, I don't even know if Dad said we were going. He might have. I remember getting in the car with him. And we lived in Troy Grove at the time. We drove all the way to Peru. And we went to McDonald's. He's like, you got an interview in there. I'm like, what? It's like, yeah, go in there. Talk to the manager. She's going to interview you for a job. Oh, man. I went in there. And I hadn't even filled out an application. He's like, you need to fill out an application. You know, fill out this application. We have to have one on file and everything. Filled out the application, took it. It's like, all right, you know, you're hired. You're working the grill area. What? <laughs> and you know what? Okay, fine. I did it, and I, I I worked that job, and you know, I've had to work ever since. I need, you know, I need a little push. You know, I'm kind of glad. I'm, you know, looking back, I'm glad he gave it to me. I could have developed some really lazy habits during that time and I could have been one of those adults that are in their 20s that their dads are trying to get out of the house to go get a job and do something with their life. But you know, sometimes need a little put. I did not want that job at all. But looking back, I'm thankful that I did it. Needed that needed that push. Many Christian people, they just they they get to that level and just I don't want to do it anymore. I don't I don't need to grow up. I go to church. That's enough. I, I, you know, I read my Bible every once in a while. That's enough. I prayed in church the other day. That's good enough. I'm fine. Just leave me alone. Get off my back. Don't bother me. Let me go on my merry way. No, we need we need to grow up spiritually mature as Christians. But then finally, the last level, and this is what we all ought to be striving for. And you know what? Ask yourself, you know, how do you know when you're at this point? Well, really, I don't think that there is a level we can get at and say, "All right, I'm a grown up now." Because you know, when I remember, you know, when I was a kid, I thought, you know, being to me the idea of a grown up, you know, that was somebody, I guess, who pretty much was an adult. I mean, you're out of school, you're a grown up. But you know, I remember when I graduated from high school. I was 17 when I graduated, almost 18, I guess. And I definitely wasn't an adult. I definitely wasn't a grown-up. I got married when I was only 20 years old. And I I felt like I was pretty mature. I felt like I was a grown-up. I had a full-time job. I was married. But you know what? Looking back now, I wasn't really a grown-up. I had Tommy when I was only 21. And looking back, I was just a kid. And you know, right now, I feel like, you know, I'm a grown up, I'm a mature adult, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? I guarantee you, probably eight or nine years from now, eight years when I turn 40, I'm going to look back and I'm going to be like, I can't believe I was even pastoring when I was 30. I had no business doing that. I was just a kid. I didn't know what I was doing. And you know, the truth is, you never really stop, you're never really supposed to stop maturing. You should always be growing. You should always be becoming wiser and doing more. And the spiritual maturity, though, I guess just an idea, though, this is a Christian one that's able to receive the meat. Hebrews 5, verse 13, For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. 
But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. One area, you, or I guess one challenge you should give yourself is that uh, to get where you can handle pretty much anything that comes from the Word of God. I mean, you can handle pretty much any preaching. I mean, listen, there's some guys out there that man alive, they, they'll nail your hide to the wall. Brother, Brother Keith Gomez, he's one of those. Oh my God, I love listening to him preach. But man, he doesn't beat around the bush about anything. I mean, he just lets you have it and he doesn't care. Uh, man, we, uh, brother, brother Tony Hudson, we were at Bayview when, back when the Gomers were going there. They were there for this. Man, he just got up and he just, he just let it rip that night. It's like, whoa! <laughs> I mean, but it, it was great. It was funny. Some folks, they were kind of getting some looks on their face and everything. And it was funny. You know, brother Houston, he just kind of looks at Pastor T-Bone. He's like, He's like, didn't y'all, you listen to some of my CDs before you invited me here, didn't you? He's like, this is the way I preach all the time. <laughs> but, I mean, he just, he doesn't, he doesn't have a whole lot of tact. Just let you have it. And you know what? I want to be able to handle that kind of thing. I want to be able to hear that and just, and not get offended. There should be no verse in the Bible that I, you, you don't want to hear, that you don't want to read, that you don't want to, Listen to. You shouldn't come to church thinking, man, I sure hope the pastor doesn't preach on this subject. I just, I hate hearing about that. And we, we shouldn't be that way. We ought to be able to take it. We ought to be able to handle it. We ought to be wanting to receive the meat. I love meat. Not just, I love real meat. I love steak. I love beef jerky. Jerky, it's good. You have to chew on it for a while. It takes a lot longer to eat. It's, it's good stuff. And let me tell you, there's some good stuff. In this Bible, but some of it you got to chew on it for a while. I mean, I've heard some messages before that boy, you're you know you're you're trying to take it all in. They're throwing all this information at you, and it's like you know you can't take it all in just then during that message. And sometimes I'll go to these meetings and I'll be driving home and I'm just kind of thinking about it. I'm just kind of meditating on it, trying to trying to wrap it all around my brain, just trying to take in. All that I just heard. Sometimes I can't do it all in the night. The next day, man, I'll come to the church and I'll go into the Bible and I'll start reading some other things on it. It's like, man, I want to get all of that he was talking about. I didn't get it all last night, but you, and I just keep studying on it and I keep thinking about it. And that's that's the meat. There's some stuff that's just going to go right through you because you know why? There's just not much to it, and uh, that's what seems like many people want today. I mean, they all they want to hear about in church is the love of God and how wonderful you all are. That, that's all they want to hear. I hope nobody was like that today because we kind of talked about the opposite, didn't we? We're not that great. But that's people ought to be able to handle it. Uh, this is a Christian with great strength that's doing something for God. 1 Corinthians 9.24 Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be cast away. Paul say, hey, I'm striving for something. I'm working hard for something. I'm trying to do more for God. And I have to keep my body under subjection. I have to tell my body who's the boss. 
Many times my body tells me who is the boss. My mind and my heart, I want to go out and I want to exercise. But my body says, no, don't you dare get off that couch. Sometimes my body says, you know what? Or my, not my body, my, my mind and my heart says, you know what? You need to get up early. Read your Bible. Do some praying. My body says, don't you dare. Don't you dare. You need this sleep. You deserve this extra sleep. That's what the body does. Your, your, in your heart, in your spirit, it's always going to tell you, hey, go to church. Hey, be there for the services. But your body's going to say, no. Stay home today. You don't, you don't need, you don't need to do that. You, you're fine. Stay home. Take a nap. Watch TV. But a mature Christian, they're going to overcome that. Many athletes that have accomplished great things in sports, they did it, those accomplishments, while hurting. While a lot of pain. You can't tell me these marathon runners after they get to like mile 10, that they're not hurting. They keep on running. They keep on going through the pain. I've seen, I've seen runners that were running and throwing up while they were running. They just keep going. They've got their bodies in subjection. But also, this is a Christian that can do all things through Christ. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I think it's safe to say that Paul was a very mature Christian. He was doing great things for God. But you know what? Paul kept on his whole life trying to move on, trying to do greater. And like the verse we read in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, says, let us go on unto perfection. So where do we stop? When can we say, I have arrived, I am spiritually mature? You can say you've got there when you're perfect. When's that going to be? When we get to heaven. Until then, it's constant growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope you don't ever get to the point where you're like, you know what, I don't need church anymore. I know enough about the Bible. I've read through the entire Bible several times. I've got more verses memorized than the pastor. I don't, I'm good. Well, I hope you don't ever get to that point. Spiritual maturity, it's something that we ought to always just be moving forward. I tell folks sometimes, I've talked to some people one time, they'd gotten saved later in life and they felt like they were just so far behind because they were getting such a late start. And listen, I told them, I said, you know what, you don't, you don't have to be ashamed of the late start. I mean, obviously, it would, you know, it would have been better if you could have been saved early, but what's important now is just, are you moving forward? Are you growing? And because listen, if you're if you're growing, that's all that God wants. That's all God expects. God doesn't expect you at your age to just right now, after being saved for three months, to know the entire Bible. God doesn't expect that. But what He does expect is growth. He expects you to start maturing, and that's something that we all need to be doing. And just don't ever stop growing spiritually. Be patient with those. Some people they grow faster than other people. Some some folks it takes them a long time. So I think I think some people stunted their growth somehow spiritually. And you know what? You just got to have patience. And it's always exciting when you see them kind of make that next step. They're all different. My kids they all started walking at different ages. I think Allie was actually one of the fastest ones to start walking. But they're all different. We're all different. You might have been, you know, 
You might have grown really fast. Others might be kind of slow. But what we need to worry about is just our our own spiritual maturity. What are we doing? Are we growing in Christ? Let's all stand together tonight.